Beneath the clothes, we find a man. And beneath the man, we find his nucleus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Hispanard. So I am, well, I'm not really sure what I'm going to talk about this week. Um, talked a little bit about the movies that are coming up for the new year. As the year moves on, uh, I believe after March, you start to see a huge degradation in what the studios are putting out. And I suspect... It's because there are holdovers from 2022, which is what they're releasing this year. And then because of everything that happened in 2023 with the strikes, now you see the thinning out of the year, <clears throat> which is something to think about um, when, you know, you look at projects. I think a lot of the time there's a huge disconnect, or at least there was for me, looking at uh, movies and, and TV shows, and you realize that the stuff isn't being made on the fly, but it's made way in advance and then it's delivered to you. And for the most part, you know, it's fully baked and there's no problem with it at all. Uh, as we've seen in the last few years, that's not always the case. I was actually a little bit shocked to find out that the way that Kevin Feige worked at Marvel is that he will allow the filmmakers to film a bunch of stuff a bunch of stuff and then take a look at all of it after the fact and then pour more money into the project to do reshoots and make changes. And that can be, you know, probably as little as 15 mil to 25 mil to as much as a hundred million more. And <clears throat> during the period of time where Marvel was at the height of what it was, you know, of their powers, they, um, they knew that they'd be able to recoup that money. If not from the movie itself, they would be able to get it back through merchandising, which, you know, that's one of the things I think um, a lot of critics that are currently on YouTube often don't talk about. That's not everybody. Somebody like uh, Valiant Renegade does a really great job of kind of guesstimating about where, you know, Lucasfilm and Marvel might be at in terms of the movie that they put out. There's, um, you know, there's a, a chance that the movie acts only as a, um, basically a giant advertisement for toys. Uh, that's not with every movie. Obviously most movies don't have tie-ins, but, Certainly for Marvel and Lucasfilm, that definitely was the case. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, they were selling clothing, toys, um, you know, uh, houseware, uh, everything under the sun that you can think of. And, you know, it's hugely profitable. I mean, you just got out of the movie theater with your kids. 
And now they're clamoring for that Spider-Man toy or those Spider-Man shoes. And same thing with adults. You know, all of a sudden they are out there hunting for those one-of-a-kind limited edition, uh, you know, special shoes uh, from, you know, whatever big company, but limited, limited run. So <clears throat> you definitely have a lot of money-making options that are available to you when you're a studio like Marvel or uh, you know, Lucasfilm or DC. Um, but there's also definitely something that cannot be ignored. And that is the fact that if you have diminishing returns at the box office, you are going to have diminishing returns out in the real world, because that means that a lot of people just didn't go out to see the thing and they weren't as hyped for it. Uh, a really great example of that is actually the latest uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that came out. The movie was made for, I think, 70 or 80 million, and I believe its final gross at the theaters was 100. And, you know, they spent at least the budget of the movie to market it. So you're looking at anywhere between 140 to 160 million dollars. It didn't make its money back. And it was a huge international release, didn't make its money back overseas, didn't make its money back here. And all of the tie-ins for that particular style of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ended up being a huge, you know, failure in terms of the product, uh, the the consumer product after the fact. You saw a huge push at the beginning when that movie first came out. Now, if you go into any location, you're not going to see, you know, towels, blankets. Uh, you know, as many toys or clothing that that stuff is still definitely out there. And there's definitely Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff that exists out there. Ni Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, TMNT is too big to fail on its own. It's a huge franchise that has been around now, I think, for over 25 years uh, or longer and uh, maybe 30 years at this point. And so, you know, it's a money making machine. This was just a hiccup in the long history that will continue to be TMNT. Someone else will come along and they will make a more um, commercially viable movie and one that will not have Seth Rogen attached to it, which I think has been one of the, the biggest issues with, with all of these things lately. Uh, two people that come to mind for me, that I think are, are franchise killers at this point are Aquafina and Seth Rogen. Every time those two get on something, you're guaranteed to make less money. I, I think the only reason that the Seth Rogen uh, curse did not hit Mario Brothers is because of Chris Pratt and Charlie Day and the fact that they, I mean, and honestly, I, I um, you know, I, I don't remember the actress who played Peach, but um, Peach having such a big presence, Jack Black, um, Chris Pratt, uh, Charlie Day, like it's too much. There, there's too much good baked into it for, uh, Seth Rogen to tear it down, uh, with his performance. But in the case of the Ninja Turtles, he was a mastermind behind it. So right, you know, he had his fingers in the entire thing. That is a much tougher thing to overcome when the story that you're telling is is weird 
to the public. And full disclosure, I did not see the movie. I have a buddy, producer Chris, he saw it and he loved it. So it's not like there wasn't an audience out there for this movie. But right from the get-go, the artwork didn't jive with me. You know, they they looked like uh, like always falling apart, kind of gooey claymation mixed with kind of a Spider-Verse sensibility. I, I don't like runny art. I mean, there's no better way for me to put it. I just, I, I like artwork that is solid and has a very specific direction and style. I didn't like what they did with April O'Neil, not because they turned her into a black woman or teenager. I could not care about that. Make her whatever you want, but the spirit of the, of, of the character is that she is kind of a, a girl next door, but at the same time, really attractive girl next door kind of kind of vibe and uh you know there's there's tension to be had there with uh you know the turtles maybe falling in love with her while at the same time at some point uh casey jones an, another superhero from that world comes in and basically takes her attention the character design for that character was <clears throat> i don't know who it was appealing to I think the reasons a lot of the times or most of the time that we all go to the movies, if you're a guy, you're going to the movies to see something pleasing in front of you and also to see something that you can identify with. And that part is universal. I think for both sexes, that part is universal. You're going to see something that you like, you know, visually. And you're also, oftentimes you're going to go see something that you can identify with. If it's a, if it's a, historical drama movie or just a a love story drama or an action drama. There's something in there that you're looking for that connects with your sensibilities. Doesn't necessarily look like you, but there's something that the character is doing that you can appreciate and root for. And that there needs to be some, like you can pepper that entire world with people that look average, below average, and above average. But your main character, in this case, April O'Neil, was established a long time ago to have this specific sensibility. Even again, if you decide to transfer that, the look to, you know, a different race, whether she's Puerto Rican or she's black or she's, you know, an Asian, what you know, whatever you end up transferring that over to like if you end up making April O'Neil Filipino, but she still has that same girl next door good looking vibe. Like nobody pushes up against that in this day and age. It's there's a huge running misconception and pretty much lie that is happening on social media, where if you come 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 out against anybody who is a woman and is not particularly good looking or, you know, whatever that, uh, or if, if races were swapped for characters that automatically you fall into this category, whatever that category might be, which is, you know, uh, sexist, racist, misogynist, blah, blah, blah. 
Or it could just be that there's a particular group of people that grew up with, you know, always feeling like this character is this, and then you swap that out, and now the audience that you expect to follow you into the this project, they leave you behind. And the new crop of people that you expect to attract, you know, well, in some cases, it's their parents that you've left behind, and they're not interested in bringing their children along to something that they're not interested in. So you have to be able to bridge these these far gaps that, that you're attempting to. In this regard, I don't know how you get it done. It's the same thing with the Velma show on uh, on Max, which used to be HBO Max or whatever, but basically Warner Brothers, where they take the concept of the Scooby-Doo gang and they turn around and directly make fun of the fans of that show. So you leave it so that nobody who you, who grew up with that show or loved that show and felt nostalgic about that show, you leave them out in the cold. They are not allowed to come in and join you. The cr- new crop of people that you're, you're trying to bring in, well, you're bringing in this hateful, cynical, uh, you know, dystopian, uh, narcissistic group of people. There's not enough of those people. So, you know, it makes it very difficult to support your project because there's not enough people to attract that are like that. And you've given up on your old, you know, group of people. So you just, you put yourself in a bad spot over and over and over again. And now, while I understand why companies are doing this, it's the people that are inside. It's the the CEOs at the top and and the upper management that either are are cynical and narcissistic narcissistic themselves and believe they're trying to to move towards the right side of history, or they're oblivious to what's happening and they have no real control over the day-to-day functions of you know what's going on within within these creative um uh, institutions and then you have the people at the bottom the people that just came out of college the people that <clears throat> have um uh have been indoctrinated in a particular way to think and feel a particular way they have no personal agency they have not gotten to the point in their life where they are able to question you know any of the things that, that they've been raised with and and um indoctrinated with and you have those people coming in and making uh the low level decisions and pushing things in a certain direction and <clears throat> there's a lot of reasons for why we end up with what we end up with when when people are not being mentored when you don't have the talent at at that point of your life 22 23 24 to uh show run or to be the head writer or to helm anything when you haven't been given, you know, the knowledge, you haven't been shown the ropes yet, you're going to put out bad product. It just, it is what it is. You know, the, the way that I draw now is more sophisticated and more complicated and, and saddled with more knowledge than what was available to me 20 years ago. I'm a different person now than I was then in terms of skill it you will it, as long as you keep 
doing the thing, whatever that skill is that you're that you've been developing, as long as you continue into it, you will get better and better and better and better, and you will be better than someone who comes to you who's who's twenty, and now you're in your forties, fifties, sixties, and you know you're you're you just you've acquired more knowledge. You understand quicker ways to finish things. You understand uh, uh, best practices. And um, so we, I, I believe we're in a period right now of creativity across the board with many different, um, you know, many different companies, whether it's Amazon or Netflix or Disney or, you know, you name it, BBC, where you have people, just enough of them that have not cut their teeth, as, as they say, um, and have not gained the skills to be able to give a a cohesive good story to the public and they also weren't raised and trained trained by uh, the old heads that knew how to subvert expectations they knew how to get messaging in in a more subtle way that made you think again i go back to the the whole idea of the movie philadelphia with uh denzel washington and, and tom hanks a movie that makes you think. Now, if you're a religious person, you look at that and you go, well, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of personal story is being told there at the end of the day, I disagree with that person's lifestyle. And I understand why they fell into the position that they did where they have at that time, this incurable disease, you, you know, it's like you reap what you sow. There is that perspective, totally understandable. I get it. And then there's a perspective that the the creators of the movie are trying to give you, hey, this is a real person. This is real humanity. This is a real struggle. Can you identify with the the surface aspect of it, of everybody struggles, everybody goes through, you know, maybe an insurmountable thing that is that is ahead of them, that is coming for them. You should be able to, if you're honest, you should be able to say, yeah, totally get that. I totally see that. Uh, if you're a religious person, I believe you should have sympathy for that person's position. I don't think if that person was in front of you that you would be like, well, good riddance, you're going to hell, see you later, especially if you had a relationship with that person. You know, I think it would be exactly the opposite. You'd be ministering to them and caring for them. And I think, you know, the the point of the the creators of that movie is to spotlight, you know, where people were at at that point in time and some of the injustices that affected them at that point in time in in America's history and uh I thought it was done incredibly well I mean that that's that's the beauty of the writing back in the 80s and 90s you know early 2000s you get these master craftsmen and women who are able to subtly and and deftly weave ideas, societal ideas, into stories where you can take a step back and go, man, that that's a rough spot to be in. You know, by the grace of God, there go I. Or, you know, I I totally understand where you know how where that person's coming from because I've I've got a completely different thing that happened to me, but you know, I I can sympathize. You know, and so. That's the beauty of, of messaging. If you're going to do messaging, if you're going to give a moral tale, which is ultimately what uh, all 
entertainment media is. All entertainment media, you can you can poo-poo it, you can uh, uh, degrade it, you know, you can you can say whatever you want about the the over-the-top big-time drama, you know, an action that we see on film, which is the particular kind that I love, you know, superhero movies, big monster movies, you know, things. The the foundation, the thing that keeps it all together is that there are stakes. You know, there's there's a there's a realness to what might happen to the person that you particularly like in this particular thing, whatever it is. You know, Thanos snapping out half of cre- creation all across the galaxy and you see people that you you know were were made to like through through the the way the writers wrote them like Bucky you know or Vision or Scarlet Witch to see them leave you know just to be erased out of existence like those are real legitimate stakes and yes as a comic book reader and comic book lover I know those characters are not dead forever of course you can bring them back and they in fact they do the following year in in one of the greatest movies you know uh, superhero movies ever in terms of the culmination of you know 10 glorious years coming together so it a a good story and and in this case a great story is able to make you feel and make you identify and make you wish and want and make you fearful and i think this is a lot of what's missing and here's the crazy part is that you don't necessarily have the same talent and the same roster of writing and directing that you know that we had before there's a lot of writers and directors that have they're they're out they're they're retired they've they've left the game but you still have people at the top of their game in terms of acting and so you know you get tom cruise in in your thing your project you're still getting a caliber you know deliverance you're still getting a, a delivery from a bunch of different people where they elevate whatever the thing is regardless of whether it's good or okay or mediocre or whatever just based on their ability to to really hone in and and make you believe but that in time will actually we'll start to see that fade away too as we see potentially the new crop of acting that doesn't have that mentorship doesn't have that you know did not act against vets you know in the game that were able to guide them through the nuance of a performance and uh so you know is it dire maybe not it it might not be as bad as i think it is it might um i i think once a vacuum happens then i think you start to see people really long for uh, a way to fill that vacuum with, you know, they want to stand out. And that's another thing too, is, uh, something that does happen that is cyclical is you will see vintage be made new again. So you will eventually see those 20 something, 30 something actors 
they will talk about how, oh man, did you ever see the performance from this person back in, you know, 1979, da, 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 this movie, that movie really informed what kind of actor I wanted to be. You will see that again. That, that is the thing about art. Art is cyclical. And so we go through bad periods and then you start seeing an, a hunger in, in young people who want to imitate and want to, um, relive and, and, and at the same time, you know, bring something new to, to the medium. But, uh, it's never a bad thing when somebody goes, man, she reminds me of, you know, I don't know, Julia Robert. She reminds me of Meryl Streep. She reminds me of, 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 uh, Martin Sheen, you know, like she reminds me like that's, that's actually a good thing. And I think that will come again. And I think you'll, you'll see a whole new crop of directors. Well, what basically what'll happen is you'll see a new crop of people that have something to prove. You'll also see a new crop of people who are not married or enslaved in their minds to the idea of being picked up by a studio. So you'll start to see, and, and I know I beat this drum all the time and I apologize. It's, it, I'm always talking about indie, but to me, indie is the future. I really feel like that is a direction that everything is going with, you know, uh, from, from things like Patreon to crowdfunding, uh, Kickstarter, you're, you're going to see more and more really talented people make a decision. Well, I don't, I don't need to be hired by Disney. I don't need to be hired by Nickelodeon. I don't need to be hired by Paramount. I don't, you know, my, my, I have a supercomputer in my pocket now that has an incredible camera that, that can help me film everything that I want. And YouTube is free. I can post my, my hour long movie up for free, uh, you know, and monetize off of it. I can put it up on Patreon. Like it's, it's really an incredible time. And I know there's, you know, a lot of scary talk with AI and what AI is capable of and what it can do and where it's going and all this other stuff. I think even that is a bright future because I think, again, the entry point for all of this stuff, for creativity, for building, for being able to enact your vision, it's just the doors are getting kicked wide open. And out of that, all the people that still have a unique voice, have a unique perspective, a unique talent, those people will always rise to the top, whether, whether they're in the studio pipeline or they're independent and doing it that way. Either way, you're going to hear about it. You're going to see it. It's like the new Godzilla movie. I mean, it's another Godzilla movie. Like what's, what's the point? We've already had, you know, whatever... 60 years of Godzilla or more, like why would a new movie be any different? And, and yet it turns out that somebody's able to take something old and forge an incredible, beautiful new sword out of it, you know, take old steel, melt it down, craft it into a brand spanking new, incredible weapon in Godzilla minus one. That is that. I mean, and that actor is not, uh, a young man, he's, he, he's in his fifties, but if you were to look at him, you'd think he was like, I don't know, a up and coming, you know, 29 year old, the guy looks so good, uh, you know, youthful, but, um, I mean, that's the future. The future is, is, is people will come out because they are hungry and they will figure out how to 
tell the story that they're trying to tell. And, you know, the stories will not be new. They will not be unique. They will not be fresh. They will be the stories that have always existed with us, the best ones, the hero's journey, you know, the story of love, the story of, of, uh, redemption, the, the story of sacrifice, like all those concepts are not new and, and, um, but it's, it's the thing that we long to see told up on the screen. My personal desire is I don't want movie theaters to go away. I, I love the experience and the idea that I can go into a movie theater with a bunch of strangers and we can all cheer and cry and laugh together because we were all moved by the same thing. Like that's, that that's what going to a concert is like. That is what going to a comedy show is like. Like I feel like those things actually make all of society better because it breaks the barriers of, of otherwise living in, in a society where it, it's so big and, you know, cities are so gigantic that every person driving next to you is a stranger. Every person at the coffee shop is a stranger. Every person that comes into your art gallery or your, you know, whatever location you happen to work at is a complete stranger. And we've got this crazy handshake going on with society that says, I agree not to murder you. You agree not to murder me. I agree not to steal from you, do anything bad to you. You agree the same. That's amazing. On top of that, what makes it better is going to a 4th of July show together as strangers, going to a movie theater together as strangers, going to a concert together as strangers. It is a miracle and incredible that fights and murder do not break out at those things, particularly if you're going to a Metallica concert or something, you know, <laughs> the pick, pick your, your poison of, of rowdiness. It is amazing that people can hold it together in, you know, venues, uh, th these collectives of people. That's, that's amazing. And, uh, I, for one truly appreciate it and I appreciate the experience and I don't want it to go away. I, I think there are certain things that should just never go away. While I might agree that, you know, the circus and using animals might've been cruel. I don't like the idea that circuses went away. Take the animals out of it. Keep the jugglers, keep the tightrope walkers, keep the knife throwers, keep all of the spectacle, keep it, have them travel, you know, have them delight small towns because small towns still exist across this country. Uh, I, I, I think it makes us better as a nation, as a country. I think there are some particularly unique American things that have been really good that have been exported out into the rest of the world. Um, and I, and I think, you know, likewise, we have, uh, imported a bunch of wonderful ideas and concepts and, and things from other places and uh, that exchange let's let's keep it going but let's continue to um be with one another in in these kinds of things because it makes it all better so i'm rooting for movies i'm rooting for the studios i'm rooting for independence i'm rooting for doors opening i'm rooting for creative people to get into better positions of decision making i i feel like It'll, I feel, I think I'll always feel this way that the idea 
that you have a Walt Disney and you have a Roy Disney. You have the man who looks after the money, Roy. You've got the man that dreams and imagines, Walt. You have those two together. You need them to be together. You need one to push the boundaries and you need the other one to say no or not yet. Not yet, Walt. Or no, we can't do that, Walt. And then it forces Walt to figure out how to be creative, to get around the no, to make the yes happen because he knows in his bones that the yes is the thing that the world needs and it'll make everything better. You you need both of that. You need the guy who's watching out for the bottom line. You need the guy who is at the same time, uh, you know, don't get it twisted. Roy was a big supporter of his brother, helped make all of his dreams come true. You need that as well, but you need somebody who is fiscally sound and is grounded and is able to look at the bigger picture of, well, how do we get this done? And, you know, what, what are the, uh, what's it going to take while you have the dreamer, you have Walt, you know, we, this is what we're going to do. We're going to build a park for everybody and we're going to build dark rides and we're going to delight both adults and children, but children first, we're going to make this primarily about children and we're going to invite their families into this. And we're not fools. We know who our audience is and what we're doing. You need all of that. And that's what America's like, you know, and that's a, that's a microcosm of, of the greater parts of where we've all been moving towards as a collective with this, with this universal handshake of, listen, I will abide by the 10 commandments, no stealing, no murdering, loving God, loving your parents, loving, you know, like no coveting. That is the handshake that we're all trying to maintain and continue with one another and say, let's make some really cool stuff at the same time that benefits us all. You know, that at, at the best part of it, that is capitalism as well. I'm going to make something really cool that you're really going to like. And I'm being given the, the, the room and the opportunity to make my dream and to pass it along to the masses. And, you know, if it's a good one, then everybody, everybody gets it. Like, man, that's, what is that? That's a grill. That is awesome. What can I do with that? I can, you mean I can, I can cook burgers and, and steaks and, you know, hot dogs uh, during the summertime next to my swimming pool. That's great. Wait a second. I have a swimming pool. I don't have to, I don't live near the ocean and you're telling me I can have a body of water in my backyard that when it gets super hot, me and my family and friends and, you know, neighbors and, and, and extended family can come and, and play. Like, what is that thing? A radio? What do you do with that? Oh, you play music through it. You play dramas through it, tell stories through it. You inform the, the, uh, you know, the, the greater, uh, you know, the country of, of things that are happening, you know, uh, day by day, minute by minute, like it's astounding. It, it really, um, on my best days, I, I think about all the innovation and all the amazing things that have come out of this country and, and w whether we borrowed it stolen or, <laughs> or, uh, you know, co, uh, co-built it with other people. It's, it's pretty incredible. The, the amount of ideas and innovation that have come out and, uh, you know, that that's what I'm always hoping and rooting for 
in this country. Um, I, you know, 2024 is going to be, I think it's going to be crazy. I think it's going to be rough. I think, uh, there's a very small group of people that have decided to make it difficult on the rest of the country. I'm not sure the rest of the country is on board with that either. I, I wonder, I, I said it before, but I wonder if the rest of the country is just going to stay quiet and, and be like a silent assassin and just handle business and not be pushed one way or the other when it comes to politics. And I'm, I'm hoping that too. I'm hoping that the sleeping giant isn't the American government. The sleeping giant is the American people. That's my, uh, my desire, my take on that. Um, don't wake. And, and this goes for the government. This is not, you know, <laughs> this is not a, a threat. <laughs> this is just a suggestion to the government. Do not sleep. Do not wake the sleeping giant. That is the American people. I, I don't think you'll like what you get. Um, in my honest opinion. And, uh, anyway, I, <laughs> I didn't know that this is what I was going to talk about. Uh, a lot of the time, I don't know. I, <laughs> I keep saying this, but I, I do hope to start lining a couple of ideas and thoughts up to, uh, to kind of drill down into and have some fun with. But again, thank you guys for uh, listening. Thank you for being with me on this journey. Um, I was told that I forgot to say something for the new year. So I'll try to remember from now on, but Take your vitamins, drink your water, eat your vegetables, and lift some weights. <laughs> so we'll add that to it. Love you guys. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you later. Bye. If I can say goodbye here, I might not be able to say goodbye. <laughs> and goodbye.